I, Kamala Davy Harris, do solemnly swear. I, Kamala Davy Harris, do solemnly swear. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will well and faithfully discharge. That I will well and faithfully discharge. The duties of the office on which I am about to enter. The duties of the office upon which I am about to enter. So help me God. So help Thank me God. When Kamala Harris was inaugurated as the Vice President of the United States just last month, the moment instantly became monumentally historic, three times over. Harris, whose parents came to the US from Jamaica and India, is the first black Vice President, the first Indian American Vice President, and the first woman to serve in that office. Kamala is paving the way for future generations and is an inspiration to young people all over the world. Welcome to The Great Indoors, a podcast series designed to talk about technological advancements in these turbulent times. I'm your host, Matt Roberts, and joining me is my producer and co-pilot, Larissa Yi. So today we're switching gears a little bit, and I am honored to have on The Great Indoors a, a young lady who has spent the last four years writing about other women leaders who are changing the world and inspiring the youth of today. Our guest is only 16 years of age, Her name is Maya Sharma. She's an 11th grade student at Eastside Preparatory School in Washington State. And Maya is the author of Paving, conversations with incredible women who are shaping our world. This book is based on her interviews with 25 female leaders from around the world. An example of some of these leaders would be Jacinda Ardern, Dr. Janet Yellen, Lindsay Vaughn, Safra Katz, to name just but a few. She's been writing for her school newsletter since the fourth grade, and she has tackled the topics of technology, automation, diversity, politics, and gender equality in her columns. So, welcome to the great indoors, Maya Sharma. Hi, it's great to be here. How are you doing today, Maya? I'm doing good on a sunny, sorry, not sunny, gloomy, gloomy day. A gloomy day. Well, where are you enjoying the great indoors today? I am here in my room in Seattle, Washington. I've probably spent about 99% of my time here since March. Well, that's why it's called The Great Indoors. And um, you're our second guest from Seattle in this series. So um, I think actually our guest next week is from Seattle as well. So that's becoming something of a trend. Now, you said you spent 99% of your time in your room. And something I've asked our last couple of guests is, what piece of self-innovation have you introduced into your environment to make yourself more efficient or more comfortable when studying or working from home? Uh, honestly, I think it's my commute time because before it would be 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes after school, not to mention traffic. 
And now I literally just roll out of bed and click a few buttons and I'm at school. That's my commute time. Maybe the most, the, the more self-innovative part is when I bring school to my bed and I just sit like the whole day with my laptop. <laughs> and I know I have three young daughters who are all schooling from home at the moment and they uh I, I think they're doing exactly the same thing so that's that's great now Maya you've had a very busy week <laughs> uh to say the least and a very different week your book has just been released paving it's had great reviews give us an overview or give our listeners an overview of the book it's extremely exciting yeah so um paving is based on my 25 interviews with female leaders from around the world in different domains like science, journalism, sports, high tech. Um, And they all talk about their stories of how they've reached the peak of their careers, how they have overcome uh, the obstacles that they face as females in their industries. Uh, And they, of course, share advice for the next generation of leaders. It's not just about girls' empowerment. These are female leaders, so they have leadership skills, leadership advice that they share too. Wow, it's incredible. And and what was your inspiration for this book? Because you're still at school, right? You're how how old are you now, Maya? I'm sixteen. Sixteen years of age, and you've just released your first book globally, which is pretty incredible. And what was the inspiration for the book? Well, there were a couple of events that happened around the same time that inspired me to write the book. One of them was the Women's March, which I went to four years ago in January. And it was a very uh, empowering moment for me, maybe because it was the first event of that kind that I'd ever been to, but it was a very empowering and inspiring moment. And I remember all the being surrounded by kids, mothers, fathers, even the people from the stores had come out to participate. And then um, I was also writing for my school newspaper. At the time, the mayor of Issaquah, Mary Lou Polly, had just been elected. So I needed a story and I was like, why not reach out to her? So we did an interview. And after the interview, she suggested that I talk to some more um, female politicians. And I thought, well, maybe this can be my thing for the school newspaper. Maybe I can write under this column women in politics, women in leadership. I reached out to a couple more female politicians in Washington state, both of the senators, um, Representative Pramila Jayapal, Mayor Jenny Durkin. I then started to branch out into um, other leadership domains like journalism. So I interviewed Ashley Parker and filmmaker Robin Hauser. Those interviews were inspiring as well. So I just, I just decided to do more interviews and I ended up with 25. And then, yeah, I put it in. I put them into a book. Wow, and and so it started off as a school project. You were inspired four years ago when you were twelve, and you decided to, you know, you felt empowered. You wanted to uh, uh, make other people, you know, feel that empowerment, and you engaged with with various women leaders to to do this. How did you get these interviews? How many of them did you meet physically? Did you do them over the telephone? How did you, you know, engage with them to get the time in their calendars? And this this could help me massively, Maya, on my podcast series uh, to get such 25 illustrious leaders from around the world. How, how did you do this? Well, I 
I mean, when I started, it was just um, female politicians in Washington state. So there wasn't a big list of people that I needed to reach out to. But basically what I would do is categorize, I would make different categories like female Nobel laureates, female athletes, then reach out to those respective women. And I would literally just email them. And, and, you know, some of them were in person. Actually, only one of them was in person with Mayor Mary Lou Pauly. The majority of them were over the phone. And then some of them, I just emailed my questions. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Now, did you feel nervous at any point? And, and out of the people you interviewed, who made you feel, I think, an excited nervous, right? How, how did you feel with, with any of the guests? I think... Um, Definitely Dr. Janet Yellen. Yeah. <laughs> that was a, yeah, I was just so nervous up until that day. Even during the call, my voice was shaky and my hands were clammy, but it was a great interview. And it was, yeah, it was an excited nervous. It wasn't like a scared nervous or anything. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. And, and, and all of them that you reached out for, they were happy to participate. They were happy to, to answer your questions. Yeah, yeah, they were all willingly going to, or will, they were all willing to help me out on this project. And I think part of it is because it's about female empowerment. And I think this older generation, in part, has some responsibility to help out uh, my generation. And so I'm really glad that they, and honored that they were willing to help. Wow, it's, it's, it really is amazing. It's incredible. Now, let's you interviewed well, – the book has 25 female leaders from around the world, and like you said, covering all sorts of different topics from economics to business to space exploration to leading a country. Which were – out of those 25, which two were your favorite? I think my favorite ones are the inspiring ones. So um, the most – Oh, well, two of the most inspiring stories, I guess, are Dr. Janet Yellen and Dr. Um, Jocelyn Bell-Burnell. So Dr. Janet Yellen was the first female uh, Fed chair, and she just got sworn in a couple days ago, maybe a couple yeah. weeks ago, as the Treasury Secretary. I pledge as Treasury Secretary to work every day towards rebuilding that dream for all Americans. And to the great public servants of the Treasury Department, I look forward to working with you and Wally to rebuild the public trust. I mean, obviously, you said that you felt an excited nervousness with, with Dr. Yen Janet Yellen, and I would have done as well, to be honest. I mean, it's a, an incredible individual. What really inspired you about both of their respective stories? I think the way that, well, for Dr. I'll, I'll first say Dr. Janet Yellen, and then I'll get into Dr. Jocelyn Bell-Burnell's story. But Dr. Janet Yellen, I think just the way that she's worked up the ranks and she's let her curiosity of, um, she's let her curiosity guide her throughout her career. She started out in Brown. She got her undergraduate degree at Brown, and then she was the only female in her class at Yale in 1971 to get her PhD. And then, um, yeah, she had her career in finance, and then she was the president of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. And then President, former President Obama nominated her to be the Federal Reserve Chair. Just the way that she 
the way that she handled um, her time at the Federal Reserve Chair is awesome, of course. And then she received a lot of criticism for being the only female, because uh, before that, only men had been the Fed Chair. So she had to deal with a lot of criticism. And actually, she... Um, when she went from San Francisco to the Federal Reserve Chair, she just felt like it was a job promotion. Like she just felt like it was one step higher. But of course it was um, very inspiring to all the girls in the outside world. Um, and then Dr. Jocelyn Bell Burnell. A lot of the programs to support women in science and engineering assume that the problem lies with the women and the scientific society is absolutely fine, thank you. Actually, it's male, because it's been dominated by males, named by males, interpreted by males, forever. So I think the culture of science needs to change as well. The reason I find her story inspiring is because of um, the resilience that she had. Um, she discovered pulsars, which are the most, um, one of the most uh, important stars in the universe. And so she had been working under Anthony Hewish, who was her mentor, and um, she was analyzing some data and she saw this squiggle in the data and she had been analyzing the data for months. So she came to the conclusion that there definitely was something. And she brought it to Anthony Hewish, her mentor, and he was like, no, nah, it's artificial and kind of dismissed her. But of course, uh, she ended up discovering pulsars, and this is a familiar story, of course, for many women in science. She didn't get the credit for her discovery. Anthony Hewish got the money, got the credit, and the Nobel Prize for Dr. Jocelyn Bell Burnell's discovery. Um, but a few years ago, she was finally acknowledged, and they gave her $3 million, and she got um, some prize for breakthrough in physics. She actually donated all the money to the Institute of Physics. What do you think are the biggest problems facing your generation today, Maya. I mean, we, we look at your generation Z when we look at the demographic cohorts, and we, we spoke about this on our last podcast um, series. And it, it, it's it's fair to say Generation Z has been hit hard, right, by the last 12 months and everything that's happened. So what do you think are the biggest global problems right now facing your generation? And how can these stories of inspirations uh, help? Well, I definitely think climate change is number one. Without the planet, there is nothing. It's impacting our generation more than it is adults. And I think that's because we are the ones that will be stuck with these consequences or the consequences of not fixing climate change and, and taking care of our climate, uh, sorry, taking care of our planet. And I think um, the last four years, at least in the U.S., Climate change has been on the back burner because the last administration didn't really believe in science. So I think people also tend to get overwhelmed when they think of climate change because 
they think, you know, I need to change my whole lifestyle if I want to be sustainable. Um, and, and that's not true. You have to take, you just have to take small steps to live a more sustainable life. But you, a lot of people really don't um, think much about climate change or care much about climate change because their daily lives aren't really impacted by uh, the climate crisis, especially people who are in upper and middle classes. Um, but what it makes me think of is my interview with Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. We will build back better from the COVID crisis. Better, stronger, with an answer to the many challenges New Zealand already faced. This is our opportunity to build an economy that works for everyone, to keep creating decent jobs, to upskill and train our people, to protect our environment and address our climate challenges, to take on poverty and inequality, to turn all of the uncertainty and hard times into cause for hope and optimism. And she, well, I asked her uh, what leadership principles she lives by. And she, or one of the things she said was, this principle of guardianship that we have to hand this world over to the next generation. And I think if we change our mindset that way, especially the adults who actually have the power to do something, we can really get our act together, get our heads together and collaborate on this global issue. And I think science and technology plays a, a part in, in, you know, in, in solving uh, the global climate crisis we have. How do we get more gender diversity, if you will, in, in STEM, in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics? And, and, and are there any uh, individuals in, in your book that can inspire more females to get involved in these areas? Well, I think they all can. I think the fact that they are all leaders in their domains shows to young girls that, hey, she's like me, and I... I'm capable of becoming that leader. I think it's very important that we have representation, we have role models, and it's also important that we introduce STEM very early on, and the earlier the better. Um, the earlier you introduce STEM, the more normal it will be for girls, the more normal they will feel to study you know, STEM disciplines. And once we introduce STEM, we'll see more girls in STEM classrooms and they'll, they'll feel more like they belong. And I'm, I mean, I've had firsthand experience with this. I was the only girl in one of my programming classes. And of course I didn't feel like I belong because there were, I only had male peers and even my teacher was male. So it's, it's important that we have more girls in STEM classrooms. Um, Adina Friedman, the CEO of NASDAQ, she went to an all girls high school and she, felt like it was totally okay to be smart, to ask questions, to give answers. And, and that's not something girls are always comfortable doing in a STEM classroom. And so once we have more girls in STEM classrooms, you know, we'll have more interest from women in STEM and they'll pursue it in college, they'll pursue it in their careers. And once we increase that ratio of women to men in STEM disciplines, we'll see an increase in female leaders and that then has an impact on the next generation of girls. They see role models and they see it's it's okay and it's normal for me to aspire to be in this leadership yeah. position. 
And and it's you know what we had Vicky Slight, uh, who's the head of diversity and inclusion for for the TMF in our in our last series of podcasts, and she made the point very clear, and I think we all agree that the most successful organisations, the more innovative organisations, the more uh, the organisations that are better for a society as a whole, are the ones that have more equality in their workforce, male and female, and. and 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 all the other uh, groups. So I think it's it, it's important for society to have uh, this equilibrium for sure. We started this, well, we started the podcast with a clip of um, Vice President Kamala Harris, Maya. What impact has she had on you personally and on the world, do you think? Well, I'm really happy about it. I'm very happy that President Biden has chosen Kamala Harris to be his um, vice president. She's not only the first female, but she's also first female vice president, but she's also um, a woman of color. She's her father is um, black and her mom is, um, she's Indian heritage. And so, I mean, she represents so many people. She represents so many young and curious um, girls, curious black girls, curious Indian girls. And at the end of the day, I really think it's about representation. I really think that's what it all comes down to. It's really important for girls specifically young girls, to have role models to look up to, to see what they are capable of becoming. And for many young girls, they will see that they'll grow up seeing that it's normal for a female to be holding such a high, powerful position in in government, in office. And I mean, I know it seems like such a small thing, but I mean, it's it's important that it, it feels normal to them to aspire to be vice president or even president. And um, it's also for a lot of young young girls and boys too, it's important for them to see this representation and and this diversity. Um, And for me, I get to see myself being represented in, um, in office because she has Indian heritage and I have Indian heritage. So there's a strong sense of pride that I feel. Yeah, we, you know, we talk about hope and optimism. And and certainly, you know, I think if we look at the tumultuous events so far of 2021, this is one of the most optimistic and hopeful of all of them today. Um, and I would argue that, that you're an inspiration as well, Maya. Um, and I say this sincerely, and let me give you an example. I have three daughters and a young son. And my eldest daughter is 11 years of age now. And when I told her um, I was having you on the podcast and that you'd written a book at your age about the subject you'd written it on, she looked at me uh, amazed, right? She was she was inspired. She was really inspired. She's a huge uh, book fan. She loves uh, reading. She loves writing. And she has aspirations of becoming an author. Really, she does. She said she always wants that. And I think you are an inspiration as well uh, to many uh, young boys and girls that that are at school. So I, I think that's a, a big complica- uh, compliment, but I sincerely mean it.
what did you learn about the book process? Because it's, you know, you're very young, you're at school, there's lots of things going on, and you've just released your first book glo- globally. Yeah. What did you yeah. learn? How, how was it? How was the whole experience? Well, from the book process, the book writing process, I had to learn how to deal with rejection. Um, and not just when I was when in publishing, when I was trying to find a publisher, but also when I was trying to find people to interview. Um, and it's, it's, I had to not only learn how to deal with rejection, but to use that as a motivator to keep going. I also had to learn how to be patient, which is definitely something because I'm not at all a patient person. Um, so, you know, if you want to write a book, you have to be patient, but when you're working with people to write that book, you have to be even more patient, um, whether that's, I mean, my interview with Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, that took about almost a year to schedule. So it's important to be very patient uh, when you're writing a book. And that's definitely something I learned um, while writing. And then when I was having these conversations, what I learned from that was, you know, they, the, the women in the book, they bring up issues um, that I didn't necessarily know of or didn't know in great depth. And so it kind of writing this book really forced me to dive deep into this world of gender disparities, discrimination, you know, the pay gap. And I had to, you know, research about these issues. And it's not like I didn't know about them. I didn't know. But mm-hmm. up until that point, I had been living in pretty much a bubble of just school my family and my friends. And so I really had to dive into this, into this world of gender disparities. And I learned a lot about the gender disparities and, and those, I think, learning about gender disparities and discrimination and why we don't have enough girls in STEM kind of prompted me to ask more sophisticated and direct and specific questions to the, to my interview, interviewees as I kind of continued writing the book and so the learning process it's not just a work process the learning process you've had to go through over the last three years has been incredible right you've really had to get into the subject at uh, an intimate level yeah no it's not it's not something you can just you can just wing I mean you you really have to know your subjects you have to do a ton of research I mean, when I was writing my questions, I would watch their previous interviews. I would read their bios, catch up on what they've been doing lately. And in order to ask them really sophisticated questions, I really had to understand this issue of gender disparities that we have and ask, like, why do we have gender disparities still today? How have your friends around you, how did they, you know, how have they treated obviously the book release and the fact that this would have taken a substantial amount of time over the last three years? So uh, how, how's, how have your friends reacted? Uh, <laughs> well, I, so I didn't tell them. Um, well, actually, I, I mean, they kind of indirectly knew in the beginning because in the beginning I was writing for my school newspaper. 
So I guess in that sense, they knew about those interviews. But the interviews after, they had no idea. They had no idea I was writing a book. The, for three years, I didn't tell them. <laughs> and it was, it was very hard to keep that secret because, you know, whenever we would talk about gender disparities or even um, Vice President Kamala Harris, I couldn't bring the book up as much as I wanted to. But they've been very supportive. They've been very kind and they're very happy that I've um, written this book. And, and female uh, girls empowerment is definitely a topic that we're all close to. And so I think they all really appreciate that I've written about this topic specifically. No, it's, it's, it's incredible. And how was the whole book launch? Obviously, you know, it, it, it only happened a week ago. Uh, there's been a lot of coverage. I've read some really amazing things and, and testimonials from people. How, how did that whole, how did the a culmination, the, the, the getting it over the line and everything that you have to do now with so much work that went into it, how does that feel? I mean, it feels great to finally have it out, of course. But interestingly enough, I thought that once I had the book out, all my work would be done. Like I didn't need yeah. to review the book again. <laughs> I didn't need to do any more interviews, but, you know, I need to prep for all this promo that I'm doing. I need to prepare for interviews, do the interviews. I mean, my schedule has gotten so busy. It's like my priority list is book and then school, which yeah. will never really happen because school is such an important priority. My top priority has always been. So, um, yeah, since January 28th, when the book launched, I've been very busy, but I've, I'm enjoying this busy, new busy. Yeah. This is the promotion time. This is the, uh, you know, I think uh, from what I've seen, you've had some great reviews and accolades. So it has to be super, it's a dream in many respects. Like a real, a, a yeah, real amazing it, dream. It is. It is. I'm, I'm very fortunate to be um, in this position. I'm very fortunate. So what advice would you give to people of your own age, male and female? I talked about my daughters who are a little younger than you before, but what advice would you give on, on everything you've learned the last three or four years, the hard work you've put in, uh, the feeling of elation now that the book is published to such great success? But what, what advice would you what advice would you give yourself four years ago and what advice would you give to your peers around you? I think the advice that I would give to myself when I had first started is just to keep going and really enjoy the process. Because right now, with looking back, I really, I would want to do it all over again, doing these interviews. When I was doing the interviews, I was in such a, I mean, I enjoyed the moment, of course, but I was in such a rush mode to get the interviews done, transcribe them, edit them, get a publisher, work with the publisher. You know that that whole process. So I think I I wish I I was a little more in the moment. And I of course is important to keep going and keep um, keep persevering because I faced a lot of rejection. And then um, advice that I would give to boys and girls out there. I, I guess I can just share advice from the book um, because the advice that they gave in the book is just they're like pearls. 
So I, I, I kind of categorized their advice into five or six categories, and I'll just expand on one or two of them. So the first one is to be curious, let your curiosity guide you, your career, your passions, your goals. Um, the second is, of course, be able to handle rejection. And I, I mean, that's one that I can particularly relate to. Uh, the third is to aim higher and um, define your own success. And, and then um, always have empathy and respect for others, especially as a leader. It's important that we all have empathy and respect, but it's more important as a leader. Um, and then the last one is be the change that you want to see. The, the last two are probably my favorite. I mean, they're all my favorite. I love all these pieces of advice, but the advice of empathy and respect for others, um, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, I mean, this piece of advice came from her. So she uses empathy and respect to guide her country. When the two consecutive mass shootings happened in Christchurch, New Zealand, I mean, she had incredible empathy and respect for her people. She literally went to the relatives of the victims from the shooting and she was there mourning with them and you could see the pain in her eyes and that show, just shows how much respect she has and empathy she has for for her people um and then be the change that you want to see um comes from a representative pramila jayapal so she she's a congresswoman and she ran for congress because um she didn't feel like there was enough diversity. She wanted to see more women, more people of color, more young citizens engaged in democracy. And so that's exactly what she did. And she's the first Indian American to be elected to US Congress. So here we go. This is this is a tough question. You, you said before, I'd love to do it all again. So are there plans for another book at this day? Uh, That's a difficult one. I know the book's just come out, but would there would there be, for example, a paving two? And if there was, who would be the top five? And I think I could guess one of them. The top five female leaders that you would potentially want to interview for that. Oh, uh, the top five. Of course, um, Vice President Kamala Harris. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I would love to interview uh, Michelle Obama. She's just awesome, amazing. Um, and then I think something that I didn't get the opportunity to do with this book is female leaders in Hollywood, female artists, oh, yeah. singers, yeah. actors, so actresses. I would have loved to get... Um, Selena Gomez is one of my favorites, Taylor Swift, maybe even Beyonce. That's definitely a stretch. But yeah, um, yeah those, are, those are some of the women that I would have loved to reach out to. But for another book, I think the thing with paving is I didn't really wake up one day and go, I want to be an author and then, you know, go search for a topic. I feel like because I went to the Women's March, because I was writing for my school newspaper, and interviewing the people who I was interviewing, the topic came to me, I feel like, mm -hmm. rather than me looking for the topic. So from, for another book, if there is one, um, 
which if there is, I'd love to do it. But if there is one, um, I'm not really searching for another topic. Honestly, Matt, I'm really just trying to graduate high school. <laughs> um, but, I know. But uh, yeah, if, if there's another book, if there's a topic that I'm inspired to write about, I'd love to do it. I'd love to write another. So look, you're already 16. You're trying to graduate high school. You've already <laughs> had an amazing four years with the whole book process, the people you've met, the research you've had to done. I mean, this is pretty incredible. So what's your hope for the future? What do you aspire to do moving forward? Is it an author? Do you want to go into STEM? I know you like robotics and science. How are you feeling about the future and where you'd like to go next? Because it's an incredible, uh, it's an incredible story so far. Uh, well, I actually, I mean, I have so many hopes for myself, but more so for, for my generation. I want to go into medicine. I love biology and medicine really fuels that passion. It's one of the fields that, that um, of course, uses a lot of biology, a lot of science. Uh, and, and for my hopes for this generation, I mean, I really... It, kind of getting back to what I said earlier about climate change, I really hope that this generation understands the gravity of all the crises we're facing right now, um, climate change, social injustices, uh, gender disparities, even data privacy issues. I mean, we don't really think much about that, but data privacy, misinformation, those are all very much real issues that impact real people's lives. So I really hope that we have a better handle of these issues, um, maybe even better than this um, older generation has dealt with these issues. And um, yeah, if, if I think if we get a, get a good grip on these issues, um, we can hand this world over to the next generation better than we found it. What an incredible young lady Maya is. Her book, Paving, Conversations with Incredible Women Who Are Shaping Our World, is available in all good bookstores now. So, what do we take from today? Well, the world is changing and with technology is changing for the better. We know that, that's the theme of this series. Though, there still needs to be more inspiration for the youth of today. The big problems of tomorrow are ever going to be resolved. And we talked about climate change as one of those. It's so important that STEM-based industries embrace a more diverse workforce and everyone feels empowered to aspire to whatever it is they wish to be. And the messages from Maya were very clear and so, so insightful for a 16-year-old. And that is one that needs to be instilled in all young people. Be curious. Rejection is part of the process. Have empathy and respect for others and be the change that you want to see. So please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Visit our website, amdocs.com forward slash The Great Indoors, where we host a treasure trove of interesting assets and materials from ourselves and from our guests to accompany the series. And I look forward for you tuning in next time to The Great Indoors. I'm Matt Roberts from Amdocs in Toronto. I'll see you again soon. Go, 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 go